Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of the Sportser Show, brought to you by thesportser.com. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm going to be joined here in a second by Norman Quarantine. We're going to be breaking down AEW's Forbidden Door pay-per-view and talking about Dynamite heading into Sunday's event. We're going to talk New Japan Pro Wrestling, who's going from AEW, mystery opponent or mystery replacement for Brian Danielson. We'll have a lot of fun with this show over the next little bit. We'll also touch very quickly on Elias making his appearance on Monday's Raw and some comments made by Chris Jericho regarding both MJF and Cody Rhodes. Uh, don't forget, you can subscribe to our podcast. Go on your favorite favorite podcast platforms. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Uh, check it out. And without further ado, here's episode 12 of The Sportster Show. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Sportster Show. My name is Jim Parsons. I'm here with Sportster.com, as always, with Norman Quarantine, also with the Sportster. How you doing, Norman? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, we're going to be chatting a little bit on this episode about uh, everything that happened on AEW on Wednesday night on Dynamite, and then we're headed into Forbidden Door, which is this weekend. Perhaps we'll touch a little bit on some of the news in the industry. Uh, we'll quickly go through some of those things at the end, but... Our focus today is on Forbidden Door and the pay-per-view, the cross-promotional, inter-promotional pay-per-view that w- or AEW and New Japan Pro Wrestling <laughs> are putting on together. Uh, if you're a big New Japan fan, you are really into this pay-per-view. If you don't know New Japan very well, some of this is probably confusing to you. So we're going to try to uh, sort things out a little bit, talk about the card, and get uh, into the matches and what's going to be happening for fans that are going to be watching on Sunday. So uh, where should we start? You want to start at the top of the card and kind of work our way through the biggest matches and then reference dynamite as we do that yeah yeah definitely let's start so if we start with the how dynamite opened i guess which will yeah which will lead us to the the, you know zach saber jr situation um yeah sure Mm. 
Okay, so da- Brian Danielson comes out. I almost said Daniel Bryan. Uh, Brian hmm. Danielson comes out to open the show to let us sort of know that he is not going to be medically cleared. Um, and I do want to ask you, before we get into this, how how much of a factor is it that we're now having a cross-promotional pay-per-view with New Japan Pro Wrestling, AEW, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, uh, a number of the big people that you would be, Kenny Omega, Kenny Omega yeah. are not on this card. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. is that a huge, it's not like a missed opportunity for AEW because there's nothing they can do about it. These guys are all injured. But mm-hmm. is that a real bummer? It's like definitely. when you have those guys. Yeah, it's definitely a bummer. Yeah, for sure. And it's going to be, I think, the how they how the show turns out and how they co. I think they. I think considering that, like three of their biggest stars, that, that considering that we're not going to get to see, uh, you know, CM Punk versus Tanahashi, or you know, Kenny Omega versus whoever. Like these, these are. This is a big deal. But I think. You know, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they how they manage and how they cope. And I think they've done a pretty good job considering that those guys haven't aren't there. They've had to make some like last minute changes. Um, you know, would it have been a better show with with Omega Punk and Danielson on it? Almost definitely. But um, yeah, I think I think they'll I think they'll cope. And then you know, I, this uh, Tony Khan said that he wants this to be a, a, an annual thing. So you know, there's th- th- those guys are going to get their chance at some point. Yeah, yeah. If it turns out to be something they do every year, then that's a whole different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one, it's kind of like having an ECW one night only without any of the originals. Right. In that way, it's sort of the same, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so Danielson comes out and says he's not medically cleared, so he's not going to be wrestling at Forbidden Door. He's not going to be wrestling at Blood and Guts, uh, the AEW show that is going to be following this pay per view. So he announces that uh, he has found a replacement for himself because Chris Jericho has paid Zack Saber Jr who Danielson was originally supposed to be wrestling on the show, uh, to see if he's the best technical wrestler. So he needed to go out and find somebody that not only could be a technical master, but also somebody who was tough enough to face Jericho at Blood and Guts. So we're going to have a cross of those two people. And Danielson says we're going to be astounded by what this guy's going to do in AEW. So to me, that tells me, one, it's not somebody who's already in AEW. It uh, sounds like a premiere of some kind. And two, whoever this person is, is going to have to be a, a incredible, tremendous in-ring technical wrestler. You and I both immediately thought of the same name. I'll let you reveal who it is. But I did think about this afterwards, too. And I thought, well, there's a couple other people I could think of. Um, who are you thinking Danielson has selected here to fight Zack Sabre Jr., uh, which is on the card uh, here this Sunday? Uh, well, yeah, we both thought Cesaro immediately. Um that he was the first name that came to our heads. He has history with Brian Danielson. Um, yeah, so uh, that you know, there's a, I, I'm I'm I would say I'm like seventy five percent sure it's gonna be it's gonna be Claudio, but um, you never know. <laughs> there are I've seen another a couple of other names thrown around on on Twitter, which I think as so people have said you know Jonathan Gresham and just sort of I think people are trying to plug in another sort of technical wizard into that role. Which makes sense, obviously, because that um, Danielson versus Zack Sabre Jr. would have been like an absolute technical masterclass. The two of the best, sort of like most most gifted, like map based technical workers of all time. Um, so, so people are, are are you know it makes sense that people are trying to plug in guys like Gresham who who wrestle very similar styles. Um, obviously, like they have their own unique spin, but very very similar. Right. Uh, but. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be Cesaro, and I think the 
the sort of vibe of the match is just going to be shifted. I mean, Cesaro is obviously a very, is also very technically gifted and maybe not quite, he's a little bit more of a powerhouse and not quite as sort of uh map based, but he is a European wrestler and he can, he can pull that. I'm sure he can like pull that kind of stuff off. Um, so yeah, I think that Zack Sabre Jr. versus Cesaro, we keep saying Cesaro, but you know, uh, Claudio Castanoli. Yeah, I don't know what he's going to call himself. Yeah. S-C-S-R-O or yeah. Claudio or whatever. We'll just say Cesaro for now because that's, you know, the brand recognition yeah. and all that. Um, that Zack Sabre Jr. versus Cesaro is not, <laughs> is not like a match that I would have ever thought that. Like, I would never have just thought, like, five years ago or whatever, I never would have been like, I really want to see Zack Sabre Jr. versus Cesaro. But now I think that it might be... Uh, possible a possibility i'm really excited about it of course danielson versus yeah. zsj would have been the you know would have just been in a way it's kind of a blessing that that match isn't going ahead because i think it needed a better build um yeah we didn't get we didn't quite get a very a good build for that because danielson's not been on tv a lot obviously and neither is Zack Sabre Jr., right? That was uh, yesterday on Dynamite. That was his that was his AEW debut, and it's so it's the first time he's been on mm-hmm. an AEW program. But he's you know doing an AEW pay per view on on Sunday. So yeah, I think we will eventually get Danielson Zack Sabre Jr. somewhere down the line, and hopefully it will have a much better build. Yeah, I would argue that AEW has has failed a little bit here, not just in this match, but in other ways of building this pay per view, and yeah. and maybe not all their fault. Like the travel issues were probably real, right? Yep. Like you've got a lot of guys coming in internationally and stuff like that, and they're not going to be just hanging around for a month. So it's not like you can bring in a Zack Saber Junior three weeks ago and just mm-hmm. have him hang out in North yeah. America until you have this pay per view. So. Um, that, you know, in their defense, it's a little hard, but yes, that is one of the drawbacks of this pay-per-view is that, uh, there's not been a ton of build for this stuff. And when you have all these injuries to guys like Danielson and Punk, it, it throws a wrench into what you wanted to do in the first place. Uh, the other name that I would consider maybe is Johnny Gargano. Uh, there's a guy who could be very, very interesting. Um, he's also a super technical guy and there's some connection with the AEW, right? Like I do probably believe that Gargano will wind up back in NXT or WWE, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of buzz about, and ever since his contract expired, that he might wind up in AEW. I could see that happening. A Gargano and Zack Sabre Jr. match would be cool. I do think it's going to be Cesaro as well, and I think Mm -hmm. the history between Cesaro and and Daniel Bryan in WWE um, just makes a lot of sense for me. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do you think this is going to lead to a permanent contract for somebody, or is this just going to be like a two-match uh, pay-per-view then dynamite thing and off they go yeah i've got a feeling that after and yeah you're right what you're saying about the build the build for this has been very disappointing um they've been sort of hamstrung by injuries and travel things and all that but yeah they kind of did put themselves into a corner a little bit right they had double they they everything leading up to double or nothing well so they had this big big payoff at double or nothing basically and then they had to do this massive reset afterwards with only a couple of storylines and a couple of like lingering threads carrying over to to post double or nothing but it very much felt like everything from the first dynamite after double or nothing to to last night's dynamite has felt a little bit like hodgepodge and a little bit sort of you know make it up as they go along and in a a sort of sort of very reminiscent to the, the vibe i've been getting from this is wwe when they do um 
is WWE when they do like the Survivor Series build, right? Where suddenly everything else just gets dropped. And for like a month, we just have to deal with <laughs> uh, SmackDown versus Raw <laughs> and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the vibe I've been getting from this, which is very un AEW like. But again, you know, they're trying to make lemonade with lemons. They've been, they've, you know, they've had some bad luck and stuff. So yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate uh, only because I think what they're hoping is that the just the idea of this guy versus this guy or this person versus this person or you know, these females against each other are just going to be enough to go, okay, well, this is just super exciting, right? The problem is when you have a lot of injury and your dream matches don't get to happen, um, it's a little more challenging to to put it on. Okay, um, so I suppose we can keep kind of going through the way that Dynamite shaped up. That was kind of the opening segment. The next segment, we got Orange Cassidy and Rapongi Vice versus Will Ospreay and Ozzy Open. Uh, mm. Obviously, the side of the build here is that Will Ospreay is going to be fighting Orange Cassidy on Sunday. Uh, to me, this seems obvious. I think Will Ospreay gets the win here. Um, I don't know why you would put Orange Cassidy over at the expense of Osprey. And when Orange Cassidy gets the pin here on Dynamite in this, uh, I, I, what do you call it, a trios match, um, it seems to scream to me that Osprey's going to be the winner here on Sunday. Uh, we talked a little bit about Osprey versus Orange Cassidy and why they might have gone with this one. But uh, what did you think of, one, the match on Dynamite? Uh, and two, is Osprey kind of a guaranteed winner here on Sunday? Yeah, I thought the match was fun. Um, so Aussie, Aussie Open are like a very highly rated tag team. For whatever reason, they've not, they've never really like super won me over. But um, I am starting to see the appeal a little bit more. So you know, if nothing else comes from uh, from their their little AEW stint, then at least at least we got that. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure that my opinion is very important to them. Um, yeah, their match was fun. Cassidy being back is like a huge boon like it's it's been i think you know it's easy to sort of to sort of be snobby or snooty about orange cassidy but he is a, he is a I, he's a fun good wrestler and people love him right his pop when he returned was massive so him being back just him being back in aw is a big deal especially at a time when they're that you know they don't have danielson on punk and omega and all that right they need people who are just over um so yeah, but yeah, it does seem like a foregone conclusion that Osprey's going to win this match. Um, I'm sure it will be good though. I'm, I've got a feeling this is going to be a very fun match. Um, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, this is a good. Uh, if people are hoping for trios matches or a trios title in AEW or whatever might come of this, uh, this was kind of a good example of what those matches could look like. I got to say, the pop up pile driver for me uh, was pretty awesome. The one that they delivered on Trent there. I thought that was a pretty cool move. I've never seen it before. Maybe you have, yeah. but uh, that was a new one for yeah, me. Yeah, definitely. Let's get into the Christian Cage promo. It's a big talking point from Wednesday's Dynamite. Uh, it has nothing to do with this Sunday's Forbidden Door, but at the same time, it is a storyline-related um, program. The last thing we saw was the Young Bucks winning the AEW Tag Team Championships and uh, Christian turning on Jungle Boy, uh, going heel, and this was his first promo since that. Um, incident, if it's what you want to call it. And this promo was something else. Um, I'll get your thoughts on it first. Just his, he's gone full heel. Uh, he's pulling out all the old school heel tropes and tricks and, and stuff like that. But he went even further on Wednesday's Dynamite and kind of walked into some territory you don't often see, even bad guys do, uh, MJF maybe. But Christian really owned this promo. What did you think of this promo on Wednesday? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was... Um... 
in the moment when I was watching it, it made me a little uncomfortable, but watched it again. And when I say uncomfortable, I don't necessarily mean in like a bad way that I didn't like it or anything. But yeah, I was a little bit, you know, I was a bit like, oof, you know. Uh, but yeah, I liked, mm-hmm. I, I, I liked it. I, I've always liked Christian. I've always loved Christian as a heel. I found him since he was, um, since he's arrived in AEW, I've been a little bit disappointed, right? Because he's been a babyface. He's been a babyface manager, ostensibly, of a babyface tag team. Um, I think, you know, we all saw it coming a mile away. Christian wasn't going to, like, see out the remainder of his wrestling career as a babyface. That was just never going to happen. Um, it was a brilliant promo, man. And, like, yeah, like I just said, I've always loved him as a heel. That's where he thrives. Um, I, I wouldn't want it any other way. And I'm glad to see him back to doing what he does best. He, you know, just he, 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 he went there, man. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. went there. He, you know, mentioning, um, mentioning the late Luke Perry and stuff like that was wild and shocking. Um, but ultimately, you know, some good heel work. <laughs> yeah. Well, for those fans that didn't watch it and they're wondering what we're talking about the first half of christian's promo was really well done because he was basically talking about why he was a babyface manager for the jurassic express and why he took a back seat and didn't really care because he said look i was just coming here for a paycheck i'm gonna take the easiest gig i can find and the biggest sucker that's gonna pay me and i'm not gonna do any work and that's what he so he he took months of us going oh man christian cage isn't being used very well in AEW, and he turned it into a positive which i thought was brilliant because it's like, okay, Christian, we're all like, why aren't they booking him better? Why aren't they doing this stuff with it? And then he makes it sound like it was his idea to just take a back seat and just earn an easy paycheck. So that was the first half of the promo. Then the second half of the promo was about Tony Asim, how he could be a father figure and, and things like that. And he's like, look, I never wanted to be your father figure, uh, Jungle Boy. You have a father. Oh, and by the way, your father's dead. And then he says, uh, which is a good thing probably because he would be really disappointed to see how you turned out. So then everybody's like, oh, my God, did he really just go there? So my question is, I would assume this all has to be a talking point backstage, right? Like, Christian Cage is just not pulling this out without talking to Jungle Boy first and going, hey, you're cool if I do this, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's that's conversation's got to happen, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've had this conversation. Well, we not you and I haven't had this exact conversation, but I feel like wrestling, you know, wrestling, the wrestling world has had this conversation before because we had a similar thing when Paige mentioned, um, mentioned Reed Flair, right, uh, in a promo. Mm-hmm. People got really mad about that. People got really upset, but people were acting as though Paige just went off script and said that herself, which was obviously not the case. Um, you know, it's, does it make it, it doesn't make it like a hundred percent good, but that's the point, right? Of a, that's the point when you're cutting a heel promo, you really want to go. And I feel like, yeah, I feel like you can get away with it in wrestling. Honestly, I feel like when you, these heel promos, you have to like plumb the depth of, of the depths of your like soul to you know to just be a complete asshole (laughs) yeah so yeah well he was very good at it yeah he did a very very uh effective job and then to like play with uh luchasaurus afterwards and say hey remember what happened to marco you know playing off of the whole jungle boy marco stunt uh potential you know friction between those two and then say hey no no you i'm like a father figure for you you're like a son to me that he says to Luchasaurus, who then stops mid-beating and says, oh, okay, let's go talk, right? Yeah. That was genius, too. Yeah. Like, it was just a really well done. It was the best part of the show for me. I thought it was really, really well done. 
it was good. Um, let's get back to some of the Forbidden Door uh, developments here. So we've got the All-Atlantic Championship qualifier match between Penta Oscuro and Malachi Black. Uh, this was a really good match. Malachi Black gets the win here. A couple big spots during this match. Yeah. Uh, but he does hit his finisher for the win, uh, which then will lead us to the fact that the All-Atlantic Championship now has Pac versus Miro versus uh, Tomohiro Ishii and Malachi Black. Uh, Miro does a promo at the end of this match saying he's the Redeemer. He's going to come and, and destroy everybody, blah, 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 blah. Who won? Match was pretty cool. Uh, yes or no? And who do you think wins this uh, four-way, if that's what they're calling it? Yeah, it's... Um... So, yeah, I thought the match was great. Um, I do like what Malachi's been doing in AEW. <sighs> These two had good chemistry, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I really enjoyed that. This... Yeah, this this uh, All Atlantic four way match. Uh, I think it, I think it's gonna go to an AEW talent, so that rules out Ishii. Um, I don't know who you have win this, this belt out of three three very popular European wrestlers, right? <laughs> uh, it's mm-hmm. it's hard to I don't know Bulgaria is that in Europe I guess so uh, <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> Miro it's hard to say because I don't know who who needs who needs a title the most out of those three out of Malachi Black Puck and Miro because I don't know that Malachi actually needs a needs a title well he also doesn't talk a lot right right mm-hmm. and so if you're gonna have a person trying to promote a brand new belt. You need them cutting promos and stuff. Right. Yeah, they do cut some promos in the back, and they walk out of the shadow and all that. Other, but they don't really talk a lot. So do you have somebody who doesn't talk all that much trying to sell how important a new title is? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I like in the ring Malachi Black's chances, but as far as what it would do for the title that they're trying to get over here, I don't know if I would pick Malachi Black, right? Yeah. Um, That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking yeah. that rules him out. So I think it's between Pac and Miro, and I think... Well, if you're talking about promos of the two, uh, uh, Miro is the best promo there, right? He's and mm-hmm. when he was TNT champion, right? That was a, that was awesome. I think that reign kind of, I don't want to say it was cut short, but you know, and and I totally understand why they took that title off of him when they did. But um, it did see at one point it seemed like he was going to be TNT champion for forever. Like it, it felt like for a long time. Um, so yeah, I feel like maybe they want to put maybe they maybe they're trying to make good for that and put an, and you know strap Mirror up again and I would not complain. Yeah, it makes sense to me. I, I would probably pick Miro as well, especially the way they finished that segment on Wednesday that he was sort of talking to all of the people in the ring and saying, you know, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's probably the favorite uh, if you could pick one, but this might be the most unpredictable match for me on the card. Yeah, this is the one where I really don't know exactly what they're gonna it's also just gonna be interesting to see how this match is laid out right this is for really different styles right i think maybe ishii and ishii and miro are like slightly similar but yeah this is four guys with four very different styles different backgrounds um and i'm really looking forward to seeing how this match plays out honestly I'm 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 more excited about it now than I was when we started recording. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It should be good. There's going to be a lot of really good cards on here. We talked about the lack of a build, but keep in mind, I think both of us are agreeing that the matches on this card are going to be great. Like that, it's going to be very hard to find one where you're like, "Ugh, this isn't good." Like they're all going to be good matches. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on, we had Hamming Page versus Silas Young. 
Uh, good showing by Silas Young for fans that don't know him very well. Very good uh, in-ring display. Lots of athleticism. Big dude, but really can move around a lot. Uh, but it does come down to Hangman Page uh, getting the buckshot lariat for the win. But the real takeaway here was what happened at the end. Uh, Jay White and Adam Cole come out. Adam Cole is going to do, what is it, story time with Adam Cole? Then Jay White cuts him off and says, hey, um, yeah, no, no, no. I'm probably not going to let you do this thing right now. we got to talk about what's happening here at Forbidden Door. Who are we wrestling? What's going on? I can't wrestle you because you've lost to Hangman Page twice. Then he goes into the ring and he confronts Hangman Page and he says, yeah, well, it's not going to be you either, which then equates to a slap. So then there's a brawl and a fight. And Kazuchika Okada comes out to a huge pop. Like, the AEW fans went crazy. Mm-hmm. Probably the biggest pop of the night. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was really, really big. Again, you only got you know a few days before the pay-per-view to build this. But if there's a person maybe in New Japan that you know, even if you don't know New Japan, it's probably Okada. Yeah. That's the guy that a lot of people have probably heard of. So him showing up on Dynamite was pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um so what we're going to wind up here with now is a IWGP World Championship match with Jay White versus Kazuchika Okada versus Hangman Page versus Adam Cole. Yeah. So, uh, again, talk about matches is going to be off the hook. This is going to be unreal. Yeah, and so so to, I, feel, I feel like having two four-way matches on the card is a little bit much. Um, but I totally, like, again, I get why they're doing it because this is, they only have one show and they want to get they want to get as many you know you can can you can you do can you do a show like this without adam cole on the card no so you know you have to kind of figure out a way to sort of wedge these guys in and like we mentioned like we said the build has been all over the place and to just sort of make an iwgp world heavyweight title match like you know four days before the actual show takes place is kind of not really uh you know i I don't think tony khan is is going to be winning well actually he might just by proxy because there's no one else but um i was gonna say i don't think he's gonna be winning booker of the year again uh but he definitely won't yeah. be winning it for this for this build that's for sure uh, i mean and i guess it he's booking it you know with new japan so it's it's with gado and stuff so I'm, I'm sure it's a little bit more there's too many cooks perhaps but um you know the iwgp world heavyweight title i mean okay so the new this is you know that the lineage is is prestigious and vast and it's an important the actual current belt you know is kind of new but the actual sort of lineage goes way way back um definitely the title deserves a little bit more than just ostensibly of you know we're now we don't have any build for this because now that well i guess maybe we'll see something on rampage you know um and these are these are all huge stars jy akada adam cole adam page um it's yeah like you said it's going to be the despite the build being not great these matches are are just on paper these matches look incredible and this could end up being it could end up being despite having like an awful build probably the worst build of any AEW pay-per-view this could end up being one of the best AEW pay-per-view if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I do believe that Adam Cole, it makes sense for him to be in a four-way because he is nursing a, a bit of a nagging injury here, so this sort of can limit how much he gets involved and how physical he gets. Who do you think wins this match? I, I'm going with Jay White. Do you have... I think he'll retain. Do you have another pick there? Yeah, I think Jay White retains. I'd be very surprised if if, if he didn't. Which, honestly, you know, that kind of makes... you got to feel a little bit for Adam Cole and Adam Page in this case because, yeah, they've just kind of been thrown into this this uh jay white okada rematch <laughs> um yeah. 
but you know like again not complaining because on paper that's that should be a good a good match <laughs> so we have marina shafir versus tony storm uh to set up what is going to be the stare down between thunder rosa and tony storm which is the aw women's world championship match that is happening on sunday at Forbidden Door, uh, both you and I had said prior to going on uh, recording here was that we're just not feeling it with Marina Shafir. Um, just not, I don't know if she's just not up to speed, she's just having trouble uh, at a certain level or what have you. Um, Tony Storm does get the win here with a roll-up, and then Thunder Rosa comes out after Nyla Rose attacks Tony Storm uh, to sort of even the odds, and then the two have their stare down. Uh, do you think Thunder Rosa retains here, or Tony Storm get the win here? I think Rosa retains. I think her, um, I think her reign hasn't really taken off. Prop like her, you know, her run as champion really hasn't sort of kicked into second gear yet. Um, I think it would be a shame if they if they sort of cut off her chance to to make something of her of her reign. Um, it was a big deal when she when she took that title off of Britt Baker, right? That was a huge moment, um, and I don't think what's come after has really lived up to what we expected. Um, but yeah, I think I think Rosa retains. I do think you know I feel a little bit bad for Tony. I feel like she has lost more matches than you would have thought she would when she first came in. But um, the match, the match again, a potentially could potentially be an absolute banger. So yeah. Well, they have done solid for Tony Storm in the last few weeks. One of the criticisms of WWE is that they do 50-50 booking for these people that are trying to push for a pay-per-view match, and sometimes they'll win, sometimes they'll lose. And you're like, why would you have these people lose right before a big pay-per-view match? They have had Tony Storm win a couple weeks in a row here. So they've they've built her up to be what we would hope is a credible opponent for Thunder Rosa. But, uh, yeah, I don't don't see her winning this one either. I don't think it's her time yet. I think you're going to keep going with Thunder Rosa. Um so we had the main event of Dynamite was Chris Jericho and Lance Archer versus John Moxley and Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, which really the takeaway here was the brawl at the end, uh, the chaos that, that came of this, all sorts of people coming down to the ring, uh, getting involved. Sammy Guevara was there. Um, Eddie Kingston's fighting. Wheeler Yuta's fighting. Everybody's fighting. Like So mm-hmm. this is setting up the Sammy, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Minoru uh, Suzuki versus Eddie Kingston, Wheeler Yuta. And um, Shota Umino, that's the match happening on Sunday. Just, uh, and then the stare down between Moxley and Tanahashi at the end, which lasted for like eight minutes. <laughs> yeah. I thought was a little <laughs> bit awkward. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how long are we going to stand here while everybody else does their thing and we close the show? Yeah, um, I thought it was interesting, too chaotic for me to be totally honest with you. Like, and we talked about this earlier. I, you're like the resident New Japan guy. You know this stuff really well. I am only vaguely familiar with a lot of the stars on the show. I know the big guys, but uh, there was a lot of people that were in that whole segment. I was kind of getting lost. Like, okay, who's this? What's what's going on? Uh, I just felt like Zoe AEW tried to cram in whatever they could there at the end of that show and didn't really take the time to let some fans who might not be at all familiar with New Japan pro wrestling who some of these people are, who who's involved in this, what's going on here. And I think that's a responsibility that you have to have when you're AW and go, let's just make sure that the fans know who all these people are. And I think that got missed a little bit at the end of the, the segment there. It was just too busy for me, but still interesting. Uh, and we do get the sense that the Moxley Tanahashi is kind of the, the big appeal here yeah. uh, for Sunday. This is the match AEW seems to be pushing and why not? Because you're going to get an interim, um, you know, potential AEW champion out of all this. So, uh, what did you think of the close of the show? 
I thought it was fun, but yeah, it was very, very chaotic. I did think it was very. I thought, I thought uh, Mox and Tanahashi staring each other down while just chaos ensued around them was was a lot of fun. Um, you, but you are right; they are trying to cram in um, multiple angles that are sort of tangentially linked, I guess, since Mox is a part of the Blackpool Combat Club. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fun. I mean, Eddie Kingston just being just by being Eddie Kingston being there, you know, it's automatically a ten out of ten segment as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> um, yeah, and what you were saying, you know, we, we've we've mentioned the build being a little bit lackluster, not even lackluster, just a little bit all over the place. Um, you're also right about the them not doing a very good job of really, and we've this is a conversation that's been happening, you know in the wrestling community for since AEW launched basically is how can how can they bring in casual fans and do they even want to bring in casual fans and it's become very clear that they they're not super interested in casual fans they're more interested in hardcore wrestling fans um and that's never been more apparent than these last few weeks right when mm-hmm. so look Okada Tanahashi these people these these guys are like big big stars in the wrestling world and it's not they're not like john cena's or anything well i guess tanahashi's kind of like the japanese john cena but you know some of these guys are like big stars in the hard into hardcore wrestling fans right and they're Mm -hmm. not doing they're just kind of showing up on if, if you're like a casual fan and you're flicking through the tv and you come onto tbs and you're watching dynamite you know how are you supposed to know that okada is a big deal I get. I guess you have Excalibur kind of talking them up and bigging them up and explaining their resumes and stuff, but like, you can't. You can't really. That's not enough, right? Five seconds of of mm. of Excalibur sort of bigging someone up isn't isn't enough for you to sort of. You can you can just go like, okay, well, you know, I guess this guy's a big deal, but like, why? You still don't have a reason to care about them. Now, I think it's good that there's a a popular wrestling promotion that caters just to hardcore wrestling fans. But, you know, and I want to be clear right now, like I absolutely adore AEW. I think, you know, in general, I think what they've been doing for the last couple of years has been absolutely fantastic. The ratings aren't where we thought they would be, right? Or where maybe they're probably, they might not even be where Tony Khan wants them to be, right? They can't quite tick over to the, over that 1 million mark. And they've actually gone down a little bit based from, you know, various reports recently. Their ratings have actually gone down a little bit during this Forbidden Door build. And they've gonna, they're going to have to do some rebuilding, I think, after once this is all done. And that's another thing, right? Once this pay-per-view is over, is that it? Is that the end? Is that is? Do any of these feuds continue? Or does, every, does Zack Sabre Jr., does Tanahashi, Ishii, do they all just go back to Japan and we don't see them again until next June? You know, so yeah, right. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Do you think that Tony Khan is going to be too stubborn to look at these numbers and go, okay? Because I, I have to think that he walked into this pay per view and this cross promotional uh, joint venture with New Japan and said, okay, this is going to be good for us, like this, and it is. But that this is going to be, you know, really a test to really set us apart. Like, we're doing this, nobody else is doing this, this is going to be... And I'm sure he probably thought the ratings would be better than they are. So do you think when this is over and the smoke clears on this pay-per-view that he goes, oh man, 
that did not work like I thought it was going to work. Or and he'll change it and go, okay, well maybe we need to start doing some stuff that gets some of these casual fans in. Or does he not care? Is this not a ratings thing for him? You would think it has to be with the new Warner deal and <laughs> the, the possible TV extension that's coming up with it. You'd think he'd have to be focused on stuff like that. But what do you think his mentality is after this? Um, you know, he's a billionaire, so he's uh, a little bit stubborn just by nature. I think he's going to... I don't think he's going to worry too much, right? I don't think he's going to panic. I think he knows that he's got some wiggle room. Um, he's also kind of, like, funding this venture by himself, right? I guess Warner could, could, Ed could like, cancel their, their contract or whatever. But, yeah, I think... I will say this. I don't think that the the build for next year's Forbidden Door is going to be anything like this year's. I think for sure they're going to mm-hmm. actually, like, learn from these mistakes try to sort of sow some seeds a little bit sooner, not just have everyone arrive all at once and just everything be a great big, you know, cluster F for for one month, yeah. you know, in, in the same vein as a WWE pre-Survivor Series build. So, yeah. Yeah, you would hope that maybe next year they can at least put some video packages together from people in New Japan and mm-hmm. introduce you to some of these stars, <laughs> even if they can't be there live. Just give you some sort of history as to yeah. why they're important, who they are, what what makes them such a big... Why would this be considered a dream match to hardcore wrestling fans? So that the non-hardcore wrestling fans can go, okay, I get what these hardcore wrestling fans love about this mm. thing. Like, this is... No wonder they're into it. Um, just have some sort of, you know, whatever. Okay, what we didn't do was talk about uh, the FTR, Jeff Cobb, uh, Rapongi Vice, uh, IW ROH, and IWGP Tag Team Championship matches. That's another one on this card. Um, and then the kickoff of the Gun Club and Max Caster versus NJPW Dojo. Uh, I don't know if we need to go into either one of those, but um, not really. I mean, these are gonna, there's a lot of multi-man matches on this card, um, which, like we said, that makes sense because they're trying to shove everybody into. They're trying to get as many people onto this card as they can. So there's a lot of multi-man matches. This match, this match will probably be really good, right? Um, I don't. Nec- I don't know that Trent and Rocky need to be there. Like I love those guys, but I would have been happy just for a United Empire versus FTR match. That kind of sells itself, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I don't think we need to say much more about about that. This is it's a big card. This show's going to be long. It's going. I think we're looking at a three and a half hour show, maybe. Well, it'll be interesting and fun to watch <laughs> for sure. Okay, so let's switch gears. Last five minutes of the show here. Let's cover some of the things that happened in the news world, WWE, uh, AW related, and what we talked about last week. Uh, Elias uh, mm. did show up on Monday Night's Raw, and it was Elias. It was not mm. Damian Sandow, as some of the uh, fun on social media might have suggested. Even Damian Sandow said, no, it's not going to be me. Yeah. Um which got people thinking it might, (laughs) but it was interesting. We were both probably right in saying it was going to be some pre-recorded stuff involved in all of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I will say that he looked kind of like the old Elias. The only difference being that the beard was just a little bit more clean and darker. It looked like it had been dyed, but obviously it wasn't real. But uh, I thought this was pretty well done, actually. Uh, I don't know how much the special effects were complicated, but... uh, just splitting that screen with carpet in the background, get one guy on one side of the couch, one guy on the other side of the couch, and then having uh, Elias uh, be in the ring when Kevin Owens comes down, Ezekiel pops up <laughs> on the Jumbotron and, and says, hey, see, we're both in the same place at the same time, when they're really not. But uh, it worked for me. And then the best part, I think Kevin Owens was the, the cream of the crop for this whole thing. And then saying, well, I don't care who I got to challenge, even if it's your younger brother Elrod. 
I died at that one. I was laughing so hard when he (laughs) pulled that out. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to get an Elrod now. But um, what did you think of the whole Elias? Yeah, I think, I don't know how this whole angle has turned into some, like probably the most enjoyable thing on WWE at the moment. Um, Well, I do know it's because of Kevin Owens for the most part, right? I think without Kevin Owens, I don't know that this works um, as well as it has been. Although I don't want it, that's taking nothing away from um, Ezekiel slash Elias, who has been, they have been absolutely also brilliant, like just sort of taking on paper, like this whole angle just is silly, right? Like I said it, like I think I said a couple of weeks ago, it reeks of Bruce Pritchard, um, but it's turned out to be really fun. And that's because of the guys involved who are making it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's got kind of like uh, this or. When you put together, you write down Eugene on paper, you're like, this shouldn't work. Mm. When you write down Goldust on paper, this shouldn't work. Mm. When you write down all these things on paper, that, that shouldn't work. And they kind of do, and they take on a life of their own. And everyone's like, this is the greatest thing ever. It's so funny and so good. Uh, we look back on revisionist history, and we think the Eugene thing might not have been the best idea. But you know what I mean? Like, we go, uh, we look at some of these things and go, man, this shouldn't, this shouldn't have worked. The Ezekiel Elias stuff should not have worked. But it is, and it's working really well. And we have to give credit to the people involved here, because... Everybody who's been involved in the segments, even the smaller end guys like Champa, for the brief cameo that he did backstage, they're all in it. They love it. Like they're having fun with it, and that's what's really mattered mm-hmm. here. Uh, I don't know where this ends up. Like I don't know who wrestles. It's not probably going to be Elias. It'll be Ezekiel. But and it sounded like in the interview Elias did after Raw that he's not going to be back for a while. So this is probably the only time we're going to have seen him. But uh, yeah, it was entertaining. I will say that I I got a kick out of it uh, for sure. A uh, couple other little items here. Chris Jericho's been in the news lately. Uh, one commenting on MJF and then commenting on Cody Rhodes. The first on MJF sort of said, hey, it's not my place to tell him what to do, uh, but I think he'll be back. I think he'd be watered down in WWE. I don't know why he would go over there, uh, but he's got to do what he's got to do. And look at me. I've done it. I've reinvented myself. I've left multiple promotions for what I thought was a better opportunity, um, but he figures MJF will be back. Do you, one, think that's kind of a hypocritical comment from Chris Jericho saying, I you know, he probably shouldn't go anywhere and should stay here, even though he's jumped multiple times. And do you think he's right? Will MGS probably stay in AEW? I think he will for the time being. I think, we talk, I mean, we talked about this before a couple of weeks ago. I think it's inevitable that he's going to end up in WWE at some point in his career, right? Um, you know, he's still 25 or something. So he's got a long, well, long way to go until he retires. And I think if he didn't end up in WWE at some point, he probably wouldn't consider his career complete um if he gets watered down i don't know he i'm sure once he looks at his bank account he's not going to care about whether or not he's getting watered down um a little bit hypocritical i even think a watered down version of mjf would be fun. exactly yeah i'm sure you know, again i, I think yeah. he's smart enough to to work with it yeah exactly right? absolutely yeah 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 he'll be able to make he'll be able to make it work for sure um yeah jericho i don't know i feel i don't know if he's um I think he just wants MJF to stay put. MJF is is a draw, right? I think if he leaves AEW, that's bad news for AEW. So yeah, I'm sure he wants he wants to be he wants MJF to be where he is. Um, and also, I'm not sure. Are, are you are you do you think we're not going to see Chris Jericho in WWE again before he retires? Because I feel like we will. Oh, I, I'm 100. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 100 confident he finishes his career. Yeah, exactly. WWE. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So shut up, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> Well, and that's the funniest, that's the most ironic part I was going to go to next, is that he also then made a comment on Cody Rhodes, and which I thought was the biggest backhanded, you know, subtle insult ever, just said, hey, and do we even remember that Cody Rhodes was in AEW? 
like totally downplaying the fact that he's gone. He jumped, that he was a major contributor, that it was an EVP and a founder of AEW. And then he had a huge role before they started signing all these WWE guys. And then Chris Jericho just says, oh, hey, by the way, we don't even care. Like, do we, we don't even remember that Cody Rhodes was here. Yeah. Great. He's gone on to WWE. He's doing good things. We're doing just fine without him. I thought, man, talk about not being able to read the room. Like, at least acknowledge that. And that would be like saying Jericho didn't matter when he jumped from WCW to WWE. Right. He clearly did, yeah. right? So Cody Rhodes jumping from AEW to WWE was a big deal, mm-hmm. right? And if you say MJF, he doesn't want MJF to leave. Well, shouldn't the mentality be, well, it doesn't matter if MGF leaves, we'll be just fine. You know what I mean? Like, it was such a weird thing to say, and maybe he didn't mean it that way. I just thought, like, what an odd thing to say about Cody Rhodes as if he didn't matter at all or had no real impact on what AEW is now. And I thought, that's just weird. Yeah, yeah, you're totally right. Um, disrespect, but I think maybe maybe he's just playing up a little bit. Typical Chris, honestly. Yeah. Mm. Well, when he comes back to WWE, we'll all be able to say, well, it doesn't really matter because you weren't really in AEW. Nobody remembers that run anyway, yeah. right? Like, that's the thing I don't get about that stuff. All right. Well, we'll we'll call her uh, a show. We're going to look forward to Forbidden Door. I'm assuming you're going to be covering that extensively for the Sportster. So um, watch for some articles on that, the results, what happens there at the pay-per-view. We hope everybody gets a chance to watch it and enjoy it, even if you're not a New Japan fan. Uh, you get the chance to get your first real taste of what that could look like in some of these dream matches that we're going to get, even though we won't get them all. Um, but Norman, thank you uh, for everybody else. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, this has been episode, what, 12 of the Sportster Show. Check it out on your favorite podcast platforms. Download, subscribe. Uh, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'd greatly appreciate it. And until next time, we'll talk to you guys again. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 